when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Psalm 23, verse 4. I love the mountains. I don't really love the valley. The mountain is a kind of advantage position. When you're on the mountain, every other thing is below you. On the mountain, you're able to see far ahead of you. It's like you see the end point. You know where you're going. You know what lies ahead of you. But I want to break it down to everybody that it's not just about you. Everybody goes through the valley. Because if you find a valley, a, a mountain, and you find another mountain, there is nobody that walks from one mountain to another mountain. To get to the other mountain, you must go through a valley. That is why I look at a lot of people who's got it all. I, I kind of almost envy their lives. Then I discover a lot of them go through the same pains, the same struggle that I go through. Growing up, I used to watch a program. It's called The Rich to Cry. There were two great musicians that I really loved. Michael Jackson, everybody knows him. Whitney Houston was the other one. When they died, I saw that as rich as they were, as great as they were, as much as people admired, and they were like idols for a lot of people. Everyone wanted to, not everyone, but a lot of the young ones looked up to them. But they were in pain, they were struggling. When they died, I saw the struggle in their life. They were in the valley. Only saw them in the mountains. The valley is a place of loneliness. A place where you give up. It's like nobody cares about you or you're struggling. And the struggle continues and for, it's like forever. There is no hope. You can't even see the other side. It's like the cloud covers you so much that you can't even know where you're going. And the worst thing about the valley is that it looks as if God is not with you. Because you've prayed and prayed and fasted and you don't see the results. It's a near-death experience. But even the rich also cry. So everybody goes through the valley. Separation doesn't know whether you're black or white, whether you're rich or poor. Pains, stress. What about sicknesses in our lives? It doesn't know whether you're rich or poor. Like my favorite artist, when I discovered some of them died of drug overdose, I said, the same thing that happens to the people who are homeless. And you see them in California with overdose of drugs. So everybody goes through the valley. It's not particular to you alone. Even in marriages, there is a valley that we go through in order to see the bliss in the marriage. Divorce is everywhere, inside the church, outside the church, among the poor, among the rich. These are valleys we all go through in our lives. What if it's not you? It could be a loved one, a child, a brother, a sister, a parent, a spouse going through this valley, this struggle in life. So everyone goes through the valley. But the worst thing about valley is that it's kind of a near-death experience. It makes you feel so alone. 
It makes you feel like God doesn't care, God doesn't see you, or God doesn't even understand what you're going through, or God doesn't even walk with you. Yet, the psalmist says, in Psalm 23, verse 4, Yet though I walk through this valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, the rod and the staff, they will comfort me. Thou art with me. God, if you are with me, why am I going through this valley? And it seems like you are not there. It was stage one cancer, now it's stage four. How can God be there? And I'm going through this valley and he's watching my health deteriorate. But the psalmist says, the Lord is with you. In that valley. Look at 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 28. The king of Aram, who is also the king of Syria, he went to attack the king of Israel. His name is Ben Haram. He had 32 other kings with him, and they fought against Ahab, the king of Israel. Unfortunately for these kings, and fortunately for Israel, they lost the battle. Israel defeated them in that battle because God was with Israel and has spoken through the prophet to Israel. But something happened later. The commanders of this king, Ahad, went back to him and they said to him, you know you can win this battle. If you remove the kings who lost the battle with you and replace them with other officers, and you recruit enough of the army that you had before, and for every horse or chariots that you lost, you replace them again, and you fight them in the valley. Because their God is the God of where? The hills, the God of the mountains, the God of good times, the God of good happenings. He is the God of blessings. He's not the God of the valley. So God spoke through the prophet to the king of Israel. And the prophet said to the king of Israel, he says, the man of God came up and told the king of Israel, this is what the Lord says, because the Arameans think that the Lord is God of the hills and not the God of the valleys. I will deliver this vast army into their hands and you will know that what I am the Lord. Is it not the same thing that the enemy speaks to us when we're in the valley? He says, God is not with you. You're just alone and you feel alone. It's like you're only one in that struggle. But God says, in the good times, I am with you. In the bad times, I am with you. In your good health, I am with you. In your sickness, I am with you. When you have every loving person surrounding you, I am with you. When you are alone and nobody cares about you, I care about you and I am with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am the God of the mountains, yet I am the God of the valley. So you can never ever walk alone as long as the Lord is your shepherd. I want to share another story. Genesis chapter 50 verse 20. 
Joseph said to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. First, Joseph was on the mountaintop, a mountaintop where he was with his father, the man who loved him above every other thing except God. He was the preferred child, the most loved. His father even made him the coat of many colors. He was on the mountaintop also because God revealed his future to him. He was going to be greater than everyone. But suddenly, because no man goes from one mountain to the other, there must be a valley to cross. Suddenly, Joseph went through valleys in life that we go through. First, it was a valley of hatred. I know many of you are struggling so that people will love you. They may never love you. I'm sorry to say that. Those people, they may or may never love you, but God will never stop loving you. And the plans of God will never cease because the people that you care about do not love you anymore. So Joseph was in the valley of being hated by those whom he loved most, his brothers. Then he was in a valley of conspiracy against his life. As if that was not enough for this young man. He was in the valley of being thrown into the pit. Some of us are so deep in the problem that we feel like there is no way out. We are so deep in it. Who can rescue us? Who can save us? Who can pull us out of this problem that all this mess we've gotten ourselves into? But what I love about the scripture is that in Psalm 39, three times, the scripture reminded us that God was with Joseph. So even while everybody hated him, God was with him. In that pit, God was with him. When they conspired against him, God was with him. Then they tried to kill him. God was with him. When he was lonely in that pit, God was with him. Then they sold him into slavery. I want to digress a little bit. This is February, the Black History Month. You know what I hate about what Christians do? I'm sorry to use the word hate. I have the right to righteously hate some things. During the Black History Month, African Americans here begin to remind themselves of slavery. And they begin to hate this black against white. And I hate it most, and it burns so deep in my soul because even Christians... Christians are doing and saying the same thing. What they fail to understand is that the people who actually experienced slavery prayed earnestly that they too will never go through that. That they will have freedom and they will be established in this land. And they are enjoying the answers to the prayer that their forefathers prayed then. Instead of rejoicing and giving glory to God, they are going back to where it was the slave time. Joseph teaches us a lesson here. When we get to the end, you discover that because they sold him into slavery into a foreign land, what did he do? He not only forgave those who sold him, 
But he worked hard and blessed the nation when he had the opportunity. So instead of us who call ourselves those who have been sold, not we, our forefathers, instead of us rejoicing that God has blessed us, and in a foreign land where we now enjoy the freedom to become the citizens of this nation, instead of us now working hard to bless this nation and giving God glory for answering the prayers of our forefathers, we're here still looking back and asking for reparation and being filled with hatred and bitterness. Why? Because we don't understand the scriptures. Churches have to know these truths. We are planted here for a reason. That will become blessing in the land where God has established us. People sacrifice for what we are enjoying. We should be grateful to God instead of being filled with unforgiveness and hatred. We cannot move forward by looking backward. I just have to digress a little bit. Let me come back to what I'm saying. Joseph was sold in slavery. So he became a man who fell into the valley of losing his identity and his value. I don't know whether any of us is going through that. In Egypt, he's in a foreign land. He doesn't have those he cares so much. I don't know who's going through the valley of losing that relationship with the ones that you love and you don't even know whether you're ever going to have that relationship back anymore. But God was with him in these valleys. Then Potiphar bought him. And in Potiphar's house, he was working so well that Potiphar could know that God was with him. But then Potiphar's wife tempted him. He would not sin against God. So he refused to commit adultery. Then they bore false witnesses against him in a foreign land to add to another valley, valley upon valley in his land, in his life. Then he was cast into prison, another valley. The prison where they cast him into, it was like life imprisonment because they never set a date that he was ever going to be released. That was another valley in his life. He's lost his family. He's a slave. Now he is in prison. And then God, who gave him a gift, used the gift and he interpreted a dream for the butler. The butler gets out and forgets him for two years. How many of us have done so good for others, expecting them to love us in return, to care for us in return, and they have abandoned us or turned away or turned against us or even betrayed us. The valley that we go through. But one day at the appointed time, God gave the king a dream, the king of Egypt, Pharaoh. And then the butler remembered there is a man in prison and they sought for Joseph. And when he came, he became the governor of that land, a strange land. A foreign land. He was like the VP Pence of the United States of America. I say this because this is what Joseph said to his brothers who sold him. He said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. So in the valley, God was with him. 
Remember what we said before. God was his shepherd leading him, protecting him, providing for him. And God led him into a green pasture where he would never have gone to by himself. But that was where God was going to bless him and bless other nations. But going through the valley, God had to take him through an experience where he would depend on God. He will understand what God was doing in his life and he will be obedient to God. Then knowing that God forgives, he is able to forgive. He says he will become a blessing because he was going to save many lives. You know, the life of Joseph has saved me a lot. When I go through valleys, I think about his story. It encourages me. So he not only saved the nation Israel, he is still saving lives because we're still using his story to be a blessing in the life of other people. So while he was going through that valley, God was with him. You know, there's another scripture that I want to, us to look at, James chapter 1, verse 2 to 3. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trial." Or many of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Perseverance. That is what happened to Joseph. His faith was being tested. So sometimes, sometimes in the valley, it could be a place where God positions you for promotion. Like in the time of Joseph. But when God promotes you, it's because he has a gift in your life. That can only be discovered through the valley and not at the mountaintop. If Joseph was not in the valley, they would not have discovered the essence of his gift. But he persevered all through when his faith was being tested. What is perseverance? I'm going to read the English definition for you. It means Persistence in doing something despite the difficulty or delay in achieving success. There's delay. You're not finding the success. There is difficulty in that valley. But you refuse to give up. Another definition says perseverance is not giving up. So if I'm going through the valley, I should never give up. Look at what the word says. Though I walk, which means I am not giving up. I am not turning back. I am not running away from my problem. I am walking through the problem because I know that God is walking with me. So I have the confidence to walk boldly. Through it all. It is a valley, but I'm not afraid. Because if Jesus is with you, you will confidently walk through any pain, any problem in your life. So the definition of perseverance says perseverance is not giving up. It is persistence and tenacity. The effort required to do something and keep doing it till the end even if it's hard. Next time you read that scripture remember the word perseverance. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 9 verse 17. One time I had an encounter with a woman who she loved God. 
She got married. She loved her husband. She was so faithful to her husband. Her husband betrayed her. They went through divorce. That bitterness, that anger never left her. She never would trust any man again. But she wanted to remarry. And every time God would send God-fearing men, loving men, and they would walk away. And she kept crying, God, why? Why am I in this valley where there is no man that will want to marry me? And after we prayed and we talked about it, I discovered that she was in this valley because God, God was doing something to her. Look at the scripture here. He said, neither do people pour new wine into old wine skin. If they do, the skins will burst. The wine will run out and the wine skin will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wine skin and both are preserved. God was taking those men away from her. Why? Because if they commit and they marry, she will bring all her mess and all her baggage into the new marriage and it will destroy the marriage. So why she felt she was going through the valley of every time having disappointment, God allowed her to have those disappointments. Why? Because she was still bitter. She was never going to be forgiven. She was never going to be trusting. And she will never be committed to build a relationship again because she was afraid of being betrayed again in her life. So many times when we're going through the valley, we have to check ourselves. I used to play a lot of secular songs. One was, check yourself before you wreck yourself. (laughs) Sometimes when we're going through the valley, we have to examine ourselves. Because the one who is walking with us, God, he knows everything about us. And he will keep leading us through the valley. But then he is picturing what is going on in your life and putting it in front of you. If you only ask him sometimes, God, why am I still going through the valley? It may be, it may be because there is something about your life that you have to work on. Maybe addiction, maybe anger. Maybe integrity. Maybe when you come out of the valley, you'll be so blessed that you will forget your relationship with God. Or maybe you're still living in sin. So when you're going through the valley, like I told that woman, we got to work on this first. So you need prayers, you know the Bible study, but you need counseling. And when you're able to forgive and let go, then you can move forward in your life. So sometimes a valley experience is good for our own spiritual checkup. So he says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I like this part. You see, what is on the other side is death. Death has no power over you. Everything you're going through, no matter how bad it is, it has no power over you. The worst thing that can happen to you is that you die. It has no power. Sin and death is hiding somewhere. Because you're a child of God, you're coming through this valley, but they know they can't do you anything. Oh, I'm thinking about another song by MC Hammer. Can't touch this. <laughs> That's how death looks at you. The 
problem we have is that we do not understand who is working with us. Now, let me show you why you have a shadow of death. You don't have that on a slide. It's John chapter 8, verse 12. It says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of this world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, watch this. If this place was in a dark room, you bring another darkness, I won't see any of your shadows. But if you shine light on him, I will see his shadow. So because Jesus is the light of the world and he is walking with you, death is hiding somewhere. And what does Jesus do? Jesus exposes death wherever it is. His light shines on that darkness, shines on death. And what do you see? You see the shadow of death in front of you. But death cannot confront you. Many of you know I don't like to drink. But I know that the shadow of the pool or the river can never drown me. The shadow of a lion will not face me, will not tear me down, will not kill me. It's just a shadow. That's what death and the worst thing that you can ever go to, that's what it is to you as a child of God. Jesus is the light of the world. He says, what I have with you is life. But because I'm the light, I am shining on where death is hiding, looking at you. So you see the shadow of death as you're going through the valley. But that shadow is meant by the enemy to distract you. So if you concentrate on the shadow, you think this is the real thing. The real thing is hiding, has no power over you. Then you lose focus on the light, Jesus, who is with you. Though I walk through that valley of the shadow, shadow of death. Look at what the scripture says. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55 to 57. It says, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is what? Sin. And the power of sin is in the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So sin has no power over me. Because I am the righteousness of God now, through Christ. And Christ is walking with me. So death has no power over me. My sickness and pain have no power over me. My struggles have no power over me. That thing that I'm going through, no matter the magnitude, have no power over me. Because the worst thing that can happen to my life is that I die. But death also has no power over me. Why? Because I am more than a conqueror. Jesus defeated death on the cross more than 2,000 years ago. Stripped death of all his power. And set me free forever and ever. So even when I stop breathing, I don't die. What happens? My spirit goes and stays with Jesus Christ in the glorious kingdom of the third heaven. And on the day of rapture, we will come back to this earth. And wherever you dump my body, I don't care whether you bury it here or you dump it in the dumpster. I don't care. What happens is that on that day, I will come with Jesus with my spirit. And my body will come back. And we'll meet with my spirit. And you can look at me again and say, ah, Franklin, we lost you in 2020. Wow, you look good. So death has no power over you. Nothing has power over you because of who you are with. So Philippians chapter 1 verse 21 to 25 says, for me to live 
is Christ, and to die is gain. Now you see, I'm not afraid of death. My mom hates me. She loves me, but she hates me when I say this. Every time she's talking about, oh, this person just lost this one. Oh, it's their only child. I can't afford to lose my child. I'm like, mommy, you can't afford to lose me. She'd be like, don't say, I know where you're going, frankly, shut up. I said, mom, I'm not afraid to die. I know of a place that God promised me. That is why he became a man and died for my sin. It is a wonderful place. It is a beautiful place, mommy. I love to be there. I am not afraid to die. Death has no power over me. I'm only going to transition to that place. And I said, mommy, you're already born again. You only miss me for a while. Then come back again and we'll spend the whole eternity together. That is my joy. You will never lose me, mom. He said, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is what is gain for me. You think I want all these troubles? I don't want to drive those trash trucks on the winter. I don't want to wake up 3.30 in the morning. I want to sleep and get up and just glorify God and everything is provided for me. All I have to do is worship him and move wherever I want. He says, for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for the progress and joy of faith, which means the only reason why I want to live. It's because if I remain, I'll be doing the same thing. I'll be preaching. I'll be telling you about Jesus. If not, this world has no place for me. I am tired of this earth. Once you come to that reality in your life, you can walk through any valley and Satan will be hiding somewhere. Only the shadow will be in front of you. You begin to see deliverance. You begin to see the sources that you really want because the power of the enemy has no place in your life. All you see is Christ in you, the hope of the glory that he has promised. I want to round up with this. Romans chapter 8 verse 35 to 39. Romans chapter 8, verse 35 to 39. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Romans chapter 8, 35 to 39 says, For I am convinced that neither death, I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, Neither the present, nor the future, nor any power at all, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. That is what in Jesus Christ, our Lord, our shepherd, nothing can separate you from his love. So which means no matter what you're going through, 
what keeps Jesus with you is his love. His love will never end. It endures forever till you stop breathing. He will not stop loving you. It doesn't matter where you are in your relationship with God. He will never stop loving you. He expects nothing from you in return. He just wants to love you because he loves you. God cannot stop loving you because the scripture says God is love. That is who he is. So he's just being himself. So what keeps Jesus with you? It's not just because he wants to be the shepherd to just lead, lead you, but it's because he loves you. He wants to be. So I ask this question. Do you love him? Do you want to be with him? He wants to be with you through all your trials through all your adversities, through all your struggles. But do you want to be with him? You know, we're going through a lot of valleys in our life. I don't know where you are in your valley. But the starting point is where you are with Christ. So I want us to pray right now. I love everybody praying for themselves. You know where you are with God right now. Are you in the right relationship? If Jesus was to call now, will you be bold enough to say, Father, I come to you because I am your child. I made that decision to make you my Savior and my Lord. Did you make that decision? If you never did, this is the time for you to say, Jesus, please forgive me. I'm a sinner and I heard you love me so much you came down to this place and you died for all the mistakes and the sin I have committed even the nature of sin that I am born with please forgive me I want you to be my Lord and my Savior and if you've been born again and you've torn away from God it's time for you to pray and say God my life to you. Forgive me for ever thinking in my time of struggle that you were never there with me. Forgive me, Lord. I, I run back to you. Receive me back to you, Lord. And right now, I want you to pray in your valley. You know what valley you are going through. If it's not your valley, it could be the valley of a loved one because it directly or indirectly affects you too. What is that thing that is a struggle for you? What is that pain, that sickness that you're going through? What is that hole that you feel you're in and nobody can rescue you from? What is that bondage that you are tied into? That it looks as if you cannot be rescued from it. What is that hold that they have on you? That is like you cannot be free from it. I need you to begin to pray in the name of Jesus. Because Jesus says, I am there with you in your valley. No matter what that valley is, I want you to say, Jesus, this is my valley. If you don't have faith, remember what we talked about. Say, Jesus, help me with my, un your, my unbelief. Give me your faith to carry me through this. And begin to speak to your valley right now. 
it's sickness, say in the name of Jesus, I am healed. If there is anything holding you in bondage, addiction, or whatever it is, say, I am set free in the name of Jesus. What is your struggle? That is a yoke, but you have anointing in you because the Holy Spirit is in you. He is with you. Pray and destroy that yoke. And say, I am free to walk with you, Jesus. My child is free. My wife is free. My husband is free. My father is free. My mother is free. My brother is free. My sister is free. My friend is free. My church is free. 